What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Vernon and Zama back on the show. You know where to find us on Twitter. We are talking Wiz playoffs today. Last night, the Wizards beat the Pacers to clinch the eighth and final seed in the Eastern Conference, and they'll be taking on Philadelphia in the first round. First game is on Sunday at, what, 1 p.m., right? We got an early game, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so we know the Wizards don't really fare well in the uh, in the early afternoon games, but I'm sure it'll be fun. And it, of course, it's exciting to see the Wizards back in the playoffs again. But I mean, I mean, how does it feel for you personally to to see us back in the playoffs? I know it it felt like we haven't been there in forever, and and it's like even the last time that we went, it wasn't even really we weren't to be taken serious because the team was banged up all year. So. I mean, just I mean, how do you feel right now? How are the vibes? Uh, this this is a good thing. I mean, I always uh, high leverage basketball. I just feel like you know it it tells you a lot about your teams, and I think it's always uh the best stage and opportunity for you to really see what you have, um, from coaching all the way down to the young guy, particularly the young guys. Like I want to see Rui on this stage, like um, the same way I wanted to see. You know, Bradley Beal on that stage in his second year. Um, and he made the playoffs for the first time. So, you know, it's an opportunity for these guys to kind of show the league, like, hey, we can play. Um, so I hope I hope Gafford, Rui, um, I hope they look at this as an opportunity to really showcase themselves. Yeah, it's going to be a really good opportunity for a lot of our young guys. And it, it's a real shame that Thomas Bryant and Denny Avdi aren't going to be a part of it because those are two guys you definitely want to see in a playoff-type atmosphere, especially in terms of seeing if they're guys you really want to keep around moving forward and, and can they be a part of what you have going on or are they better off being moved to to bring in another type of piece. But um, it's going to be fun regardless, like you said. I think it's good for the young guys, Rui, Gafford, um, I'm interested in seeing how Bertans responds, even though he's not really young. But uh, I think this will be the first time he's been in the. No, this isn't the first time he's been in the playoffs, right? Because the Spurs were in the playoffs for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, but he'll be a big X factor for sure. Um, Hutchison, I'm interested in seeing Matthews. I don't know how much Matthews is going to play because it seems like in that 10 man rotation, it seems like the only wing off the bench that he's going to want to play is Hutchison. And we'll get into the rotation stuff in a bit. But, I mean, anyway, just from where we started to how we got here, you have to give everyone a ton of credit. Um, and, and it starts at the top with me, for, with um, Ted Leonsis, because there were plenty of parts uh, during the season where he could have called it and said, okay, we're, we're not going to do it this year. Let's just let's try and go in a different direction here, at least with parts of the roster. And if... Uh, you know, we'll just try and reload in the summer or, you know, just maybe pick a different avenue. But they kept at it. And to his credit, whether you think that's valid or not, um, his message from the top down got us to this point. Um, and then you also have to give credit to Tommy Shepard, who without the move for Daniel Gafford, who knows where we'd be right now. But to be honest, we probably wouldn't have even made the play in. So you have to give credit to Tommy Shepard. And then Scott Brooks, you still get zero credit because I think you're nah. terrible. Nah, I ain't, nah, I ain't get no credit for it. Nope, <laughs> zero. <laughs> um, but and speaking more to the players, I mean, Brad, um, especially Russell Westbrook, uh, Daniel Gafford. Rui's been kind of hot and cold, but you have to give uh, 
credit to Rui because he had some big performances down the stretch. Um, yeah. And specifically with last night, I wanted to give a big shout out to the center position. And that's going to be the most important position in this upcoming series. And again, we'll get into West Sixers in a bit, but the center position, Len, Gafford, and Lopez, I thought all played really well. Um, and we're going to need all three of them in this series going up against uh, Embiid and and Dwight Howard down there. But, I mean, before we get too much onto Wiz Sixers, I mean, do you have any thoughts on just kind of the season in general or from the game last night? Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster season. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the the takes on the Wizards have been just as extreme as the takes on Russell Westbrook. So, like, it's just kind of been one of those years. Um, and it's it, – it's, the the back stretch of it, we were kind of we kind of ending it on a on a we kind of ended it on a high. So, uh, you know, it was just it's just just been a wild year. I, I'm hoping that the their the way they finished can be something they can build on that they can take it to next year, um, and they can start that way instead of us having to always go through these roller coaster cycles and we can be consistent. So, um, you see though, it's been a it's been a fun ride so far though. To be like our yearly routine, though, like we say that every year, like we had good momentum, we've had second round appearances, and it's like, okay, let's carry that into next year. And I just feel like it right. rarely happens. And I just wanted to clear something up real quick because there's like this narrative, and it's also within the fan base, but like people think that we're literally the worst team in the NBA, or at least make it seem that way. And I just wanted to clear some things up. So the years that we didn't make the playoffs, and even go going back to Randy Whitman that year, he was fired. Everyone was banged up. Everybody was banged up. Um, that last year, Whitman got fired. That year where we went to um, the eight seed under Brooks and we played Toronto, John Wall was out practically the whole year, and other guys yep. were banged up. Um, last year, we clearly were going in a different direction. Wall was still out the entire season, and that year was clearly going to be about recouping assets because they wanted to see who they could keep around um, for Beal going forward. And they also went to the bubble. So let's not act like the Wizards are this terrible, terrible, terrible team. Do they have a long way to go? Yes. But I just wanted to clear that up because it's, it's so annoying when I see like fans be like, oh, we saw this and that. I understand that at the beginning of the season, but the fact that we are now improving and they've, they're acting like we've been this poverty franchise for like years now. And I just, I, I don't think that's the case. You can call us meddling and you can call us middle of the pack or you can call us even below average. That's fine. But to be like, we're the worst ran team and all that. I, I can't buy that crap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't either. Like I, I see it so often. And like I said, it, it, they they act as if you know we are the the Timberwolves or the Kings like we've gone ten plus years no playoffs or shoot even the Suns I mean up until this year the Suns haven't been playoff bound I believe since Steve Nash put on a jersey for them so uh you know like we we weren't that like you know Bradley Bill has been a top twenty player for going on three years now you know uh, Rui Hachimura was is a is a top five player from his draft like. You know, the, the the only time we did not make the playoffs is when we didn't have an all-star point guard. Um, so when you lose a player of that caliber, yeah, you're you're gonna take a drop off, like to be expected. Um, and now that we've replaced that, uh, you know, that production now, 
voila, we're back in the playoffs. So um, <laughs> I just think, uh, yeah, I, I just want people to actually watch the Wizards um, and, and learn a little bit before they, you know, kind of speak on speak on a on a team that they don't really know much about. Right. And so now this is kind of the second time we're being called like that not typical eight seed. And I agree with that. I mean, even going back to that Toronto series, I mean, Toronto won in what, six games? So, I mean, we stole two of them. And that was when Wall didn't, because Wall came back, but Wall only had like how many regular season games did he play before the playoffs started? Like two or three? And he was on a minutes restriction. Like, I don't remember. He didn't play. He came back like in March. He played a decent amount. He came back in like March. Oh, did he? As I remember, he came back in March, and I want to say so. He came back in March. The playoffs started in April, so right. he he, played, he had like thirty days of games, which probably couldn't have been no more than maybe like seven, maybe no more eight to twelve games, maybe. And then the playoffs started, um, and then he balled out in that. Average like twenty six a game, twenty six and ten, something like that, you know. But we just didn't have the roster depth to compete with the Raptors at that point. Right. Um, so yeah, you know. Yeah, and and now I think we do have some depth. And just to shed some more light on this season, I would call it a success because of where they started and how terrible things were at the beginning of the season. And you and I said before we got on here, there are some things at the beginning of the season that were inexcusable, and that's why we were still frustrated. But I guess, and, and I'll just speak on me personally, I wasn't giving them the benefit of the doubt in terms of the COVID issues they were having, in terms of, the injuries that they had. I mean, losing Thomas Bryant really, really hurt until they were able to bring in Daniel Gafford. Because the front court depth at that point was Lopez and um, Len. And you can't have that if you want to be a competing team. So um, I'll eat the crow on that. I, I should have given them a little bit more opportunities. Uh, my main reason with them at the beginning of the season why they weren't good aside from coaching because we all know that coaching is still the biggest problem with the team but russell westbrook was so bad at the beginning of the year you could name i mean give me all the backup nba point guards right now shabazz napier uh, patty mills um alfred payton i all would have I'm, taken over russell westbrook at that time i mean the one that's on our team uh raul neto was playing better than him <laughs> it's yeah like it was it was bad man it was bad yeah. like i I always joke about it. Like he was looking like, you know, the the the, the players uh, in Space Jam when the aliens took his talent. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, like he was missing dunks and like he wasn't driving the rim, couldn't get to the free throw line. And when he got to the free throw line, he was missing them. Like it was bad, man. Turnovers. It it was real, real bad. Um, but he turned. He got healthy, and then he started looking like the Russell Westbrook that won MVP. Um, yeah, and, yeah. So. You know, um, and then and then the Gafford move, I think what's so crazy about that move is that not just for Gafford being the player that he's turning out to be, but I I think it allowed Robin Lopez to play the role he should have been in from the beginning. Correct. Um, where he could just be kind of like that offensive spark off the bench, mm-hmm. be that savvy vet that you can use in certain matchups. But when you counted on Robin Lopez to be your best center, it was like, oh God, no. Like we hated it. We hated it. Cause it's like, no, this is not, this is not it. But when right. Robin Lopez is your backup center, uh, or your third center, now you're cooking with grease. 
Um, and he can play the role that he was supposed to play. And I think that's where, you know, the injuries and the COVID and, you know, guys playing hurt, missing time, not playing back-to-backs, it put guys in roles that they should not have been in. Um, And and it was similar last year. Like, when you had Isaac Bonga starting for you, like, he's not a starter. Like, I don't care what the advanced analytics say, he's not a starter. But when you play, the guys have talent. But that talent has to be placed in the proper role to be maximized. But when you got these guys in a role that they're not supposed to be in, it just makes everything just look way worse than what it might actually be. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just kind of recapping uh, the offseason moves real quick. I mean, Neto looks to be a steal. Anthony Gill, I think, makes a fair salary for what we've seen he can bring to the table. Was Robin Lopez worth 7.3 mil? No, guys, he he wasn't. But – I understand what they were going for in terms of the personnel. They knew they wanted to be an offensive team. That's been their identity under Brooks, and they added more to that. And so if they want to keep the three-center rotation, and I guess we'll touch on this more in the offseason when we have a good idea of what they may do. You know, if they want to bring him back on a less salary and keep that three-center rotation, I'm fine with that. Um, I guess if they weren't going to spend it on anyone else and you had nothing else better to do with the money because no one wanted to come here, then – I, I guess fine, but he was still too much money and he's still too much money to me, especially since again, he's the third center in a three center rotation. If you have one center making seven something and I, and I don't Thomas Bryant still injured, but even if Thomas Bryant was healthy, they'd still do a three center rotation and you have another center making eight something million. To me, those are the two guys that should be playing and nobody else should really be playing. So um, Lopez, I'm fine. Personnel wise. Money still doesn't match up to me. Neto's a steal, and um, I'm fine with the Anthony Gill signing. I mean, do you have any quick opinions on the offseason real quick? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Six-foot Neto, Raul Neto, has been like this Swiss Army knife for us. Like, mm-hmm. he's been able to play all every guard spot. He didn't play small forward. Only thing he ain't played is, is center. Like, he's, play, he's played all over the court, and it seemed like he's just been able to produce no matter where what we've asked of him i just wish he was like five inches taller man like we -hmm. wouldn't need nothing (laughs) right but it's just you know uh you know he's been he's been amazing i've been thoroughly impressed with him his smith's jump shot has come on late he did some tweaking while he was hurt uh and did some tweaks to it and it's become more of a one motion shot and it's starting to go in i I think he's shooting like 41 percent on catch and shoot threes right now um, so that's crazy for him. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Robin Lopez, the hook shot. I mean, he's, you know, uh, Robin Abdul-Jabbar. You know, he just – you can't guard it, man. Like, these young centers now that weigh a buck, uh, you know, 210 pounds, they don't want to guard that. That dude is 270 with a wide ass and just moves you. And, and he throws that hook shot up, man, like – yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's problematic. So, I mean, shout out to, to Robin Lopez and his play, particularly, too, on the defensive end. Um, he's been playing some good defense, too, just staying within his 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 lane. And then uh, Gafford, I mean, I can't say enough things about Gafford. Like, you know, it helps that Russell Westbrook is able to penetrate the lane and find him, as I think that mm-hmm. was what he was missing in Chicago. Chicago doesn't really have a point guard. Um, you know, Sadoransky is a point guard, 
by by position, but he's not really that in game because he's not a penetrator. So, and then Kobe White is really a two guard that they're trying to make a point guard. So, Gafford needed a guy that can penetrate and lob, find guys at the rim. Perfectly suits Russell Westbrook. And now you're seeing the fruits of that here. Uh, I mean, he's really, to me, he's saved our season. Like, yeah, that trade yeah. kind of put all put the other bigs in their proper roles. It gave Beal and Russ a lob threat to make their job easier. Um, so you couldn't just send everything to them defensively. Um, I mean, it's, and he's he's a rim protector. He's a legitimate rim protector. Even when you think you've gotten by that dude, he can still put your shot on the glass. Um, and he's a great rebounder. So it's like, I mean, we've only needed a big like him for what? 12, 13 years now. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I mean, even can... going back to when we had, um, when we lost JaVale, I mean, JaVale wasn't even that great at that point. But I mean, uh-huh. even before JaVale, because the last real center that we, that would do any type of rebounding or had any interior presence, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was Brendan Haywood. Yeah. Yeah. And he because... wasn't this movable and athletic. He wasn't. Right. He wasn't this. Um, like, like Gafford to me, like, if you have him in that 2017 series against Boston, you right. win that thing going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's just like, it's like, okay. <clears throat> um, so, and, you know, he doesn't have any maturity issues or, or locker room issues where he's clashing with guys. So I think that's a plus too. He seems, from everything I've seen, heard about him, he seems to be a stand-up guy that just wants to work hard, produce. So, um, yeah, um, a plus with Tommy on that one, man. Yeah, the history of our center position has kind of always been the same type of guy, um, just kind of finesse guys. I mean, and they're strong guys, but they're not like athletic freaks. I mean, again, going back to Javale was the last true athletic big that we had, and that was around when John Wall was a rookie. So, yeah. I mean. Now, because we've had since who since then who we had we've had Okafor, then we had Gortat, and then we had Thomas Bryant. Neither of those guys are athletic, really. I mean, Thomas Bryant will surprise you sometimes, but for the and now especially coming off an ACL injury, they they've never really had like that athletic presence, and they yeah. won't going forward unless it's from him. So. Yeah, none of them <clears throat> I would characterize as as bigs that play above the rim. We've never had that. I mean, John Wall asked for it this whole career here, and he never got it. Um, And you see how easy it makes, you know, Russ's job because he can just penetrate and throw it up. That's an easy assist. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just opens up your offense more because the defense has to worry about that. Like, so, you know, I'm glad we got one. Like I said, A-plus to Tommy for that because, I mean, you pretty much got him for nothing. I mean, because we weren't going to use Troy Brown here. we just weren't. So Tommy gets um, everyone for nothing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, kind of crazy. it's absolutely crazy. I mean, honestly, I, I know that we talk about it. If you want a, a bigger decision maker in the offseason, then I mean, I'll support you on that. But if Tommy keeps this position, I'm certainly not going to be mad, especially when you look at his first round pick selections. And I know people have different opinions on Denny, different discussion for a different day. Um, but I mean, after, based on his first round pick selections and his trades, I'll live with Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm at the point with Tommy where I'm like, you know, he's he's in the upper tier for me, but I still think 
I, I'm still not sure if he's to the level of like a Maury uh, or a, or a, a, I don't know why I can't think of the the, the Warriors. G. Bob Myers. Myers level where they're willing to make that big move. You know, that's right. where you know where they can get creative with the cap and moving guys around and have the cachet to get players to want to come and play for them. That's right. that's when the jury's still out for me on him. But as far as the other fringe moves around the edge, edges and you know around the crust, like he's he's amazing at that, and he's I mean he's shown that multiple times now. So got to give yeah. him his props. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Wiz Sixers. So we open up game one on Sunday at one. Then I think game two is on Wednesday at seven. Then they're still working out times for um, game three and game four. But I think that game three is going to be Saturday and game four is on Monday, if I remember that correctly. So, um, I mean, a little bit of a series preview here. Well, not a little bit. We're really going to get into it here. Uh, the Sixers don't have any injured bodies right now, I don't think. Um, correct me if you know something different, but I think everyone for them is healthy. Their starting lineup is going to be Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and of course, Seth Embiid. Um, th- to be honest, I think that actually the starting five that we have now um, actually matches up pretty well uh, against them. I think that if you put Russ on Simmons, now of course – you got to just try and keep Simmons out of the paint because that's once he drives and tries bodying Russ, that's where he's going to have success. Uh, Neto on Curry, I think, is a good matchup for us, provided that hamstring is okay. And I mean, he looks spry last night. Um, Beal on Danny Green, I think, is a good matchup both ways. Um, offensively, I think that Danny Green's just going to be kind of a spot shooter and it's not really going to require Beal to move around a whole lot. And I think that's probably best case scenario for him. Yeah. And then you got Rui on Tobias, which you've seen Rui have um, good success against him before in the regular season. And then, of course, um, guarding Embiid is going to be kind of a five-man job. But when you play three centers, and I, I, everyone jokes about the 18 foul thing, but you're really going to have to play three centers this series to contain him. But, but yeah, I think they have some nice pieces off the bench. Um, Ty Bull, Dwight Howard, who I think is going to be an interesting matchup for – for Gafford and Lopez to kind of handle. Um, trying to think of who else. They have Korkmaz off the bench, who's a nice little shooter who can shoot off platform. And um, He's a good shooter. Yeah, I mean, I think our bench is going to be fine against them, especially when you consider that Russ and Brad are going to be playing a shit ton of minutes. Uh, and Neto's going to be playing probably a crap ton too in this series because they're going to need his uh, presence defensively on the perimeter. But I think that this is much better than playing Brooklyn. I We absolutely don't have anyone who can stop KD, uh, Kyrie, and Harden. Not At least not all at the same time. If you were missing one of them, I would maybe see why people wanted to play Brooklyn more than Philly, but with a healthy all three of them, and then you have the shooter like Joe Harris, and then you also have um, Landry Shamit, and then you have an interior presence like uh, Nick Claxton and DeAndre Jordan. I wanted no part of that series. So I, I know we said we – what's that? I didn't either. 
No, yeah, no I was yeah. saying I, I I don't I don't want none of that either. Yeah, um, I wanted the Bucks. I wanted the Bucks. That's who I wanted. I feel like the Bucks have some holes that we can put, um, matchup wise. But I really didn't want Philly or 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 Brooklyn. But if I was choosing Same. between so, the two, yeah. I would prefer to play Philly. Um, I mean, with the Nets, it's just I mean they just got too many. Yeah, out of all the possibilities that were realistic and attainable, I mean, this is probably best-case scenario. Now, of course, you don't want to have that Boston game because um, that game was the – whole, the whole vibe of that game, just from start to finish, was there was, it was just dead. Like, there was no energy from Marv Albert to the players to the fans. It just seemed like there was, there was no energy. Like, it, there was just nothing. I mean, last night, Cap 1 was popping. So – yeah, yeah, for sure. And I and I think that's on, you know, that's on Russ. Like I could tell like he just didn't seem to have it versus Boston. I don't know what it was, if it was an injury or, or what. He just he just seemed kind of lethargic, like kind of going through the motions. Outside of that that dunk he had, it was just really just kind of going through the motions and just kind of letting the di- the defense dictate what he was able to do instead of him forcing the issue or doing it at 100, you know, 200 miles an hour. Uh, but as soon as that tip off happened, and I saw his like first two possessions down the court against Indiana, I was like, "Oh yeah, we got a different rust today." Um, because even when he was making mistakes, mm-hmm. he was making them full speed. Um, which I didn't see against Boston. Yeah. So of course, that's how the game went. Like, you know, we, we took on a personality of him, and everybody else got going, and the next thing you know, we up thirty. So. So it was good to see. I I think I know our answer is probably going to be the same on this, but out of all the position groups, give me the one position group you're you're going to need to play a plus basketball in order for us to have a chance in this series. It's really that's that's actually kind of tough. Um, I think I'm. I know probably the you probably thinking the bigs. But I think I'm going to actually go with the guards um, because I think how they how they guard the three-point line is going to dictate how this series goes. Like, Embiid is going to get his, period. I don't care what we throw at him. He's going to get his. But what you don't want is Embiid getting 30, but then he's also getting five, six assists because he didn't hit. Danny Green and Seth Curry uh, and Milton for wide open threes. And each one of them got 15, 20, you know, and then Tobias got 20, 30. Like, if you allow that to happen, you're done. This is a sweep. But if you can keep Embiid to, you know, where he's kind of trying to take over the game and he has to go try to get 40 because Ben Simmons can't hit nothing, Milton can't hit, Danny Green, Seth Curry, they can't hit, they can't get off clean looks, um, or they have to be creators. That's where I think you give yourself a chance. And that, to me, is going to fall on the guards. They're going to have to be disciplined on their double teams and their traps of Embiid. And they got to know personnel, know the scouting report. Like, if you're on Danny Green, you do not leave him. If you're on Seth Curry, you do not leave him. Now, if it's thigh ball, uh, or if it's, uh, uh, I would even say Milton in some instances from the perimeter because he's not an elite shooter from there. You can cheat off, you can help off, but if you got one of their shooters, 
you need to be on that shooter like white on rice. Do not leave that shooter and allow Embiid or Ben Simmons to just find guys for for easy catch and shot shoot opportunities because you're dead in the water. Yeah, I, I think that that's that pretty much just comes down to your philosophy defensively, and I mean, I guess just your overall evaluation of the other team. Can you afford to? put all of your efforts onto stopping the one guy they have and let everyone else beat you? Or are you more concerned about just stopping everyone else? And if that best player beats you, then so be it. Um, so, I mean, so how much would you game plan in terms of like double teaming him and all that? Like, how are you defending and beat in the series? Um, I'm doubling off of him on the non-shooters. Again, you, they got to play they got to play off personnel. If if I'm guard if Thibault is in the game, okay, I'm a double off of him. Uh if it's uh uh I'm trying to think of their other guard they have. Um ah, okay, if it's Dwight Howard in the game, you know, you don't need to double. You know, so they got to they got to play it based on the personnel that's that's in the game. Like it can't just be double no matter what, trap no matter what, because you're gonna get eight alive. You're gonna get eight alive. And they're gonna have to play disciplined basketball. And and guys, the bigs are gonna have to stay out of foul trouble. Um, so it I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But like I say, if if you allow Seth Curry to see a couple it's of them right. go through the rim, Danny Green from the corner, Tobias Hurst. It's over, man. Because we cannot, we cannot compete with their shooting. We can't. We've, we've seen this year. We are not a three-point shooting team. Okay, we just not. It's been like, nice about it. Like nine threes made a game, which is like, yeah, bottom of the league, right? Like we're not going to all of a sudden turn into, you know, the Warriors from three-point range. Like so, we we need to play to our strengths and kind of. Make it a game where Embiid got to go out and get 40, 50. You know, kind of like LeBron when he was going up against uh, that Warriors team. But it was on bad efficiency and because nobody else could get going. And, of course, the Warriors won that series. That's kind of the same way you kind of have to. Get his turnovers up and again stay home on shooters. Danny Green, uh, Seth, uh, Korsmaz, if I'm saying his name correctly, those guys you cannot allow them guys to hurt you. Yeah, I think that's fair. It goes back to playing our strengths. If we can force everyone to to dribble off the three point line and take everything either mid range or at the rim, well, guess what? That's what we're gonna do too. So, and then if it comes down to star power at the end, well, we have two stars yep. that can make something happen. They have one. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly. Bingo. Like, if it's Pending a close Scott game, Brooks. I like our chances, you know. Um, yeah. Like, if it's a close game, I like our chances. If it's, you know, they're coming down and they're forcing contested threes and missing um, because we're staying home. We're able. That's fast break opportunities. That's playing right into our hands. That's what we have to create, like fast break opportunities, so we can get out and run. Because Embiid don't like to run. Uh, he's kind of lazy in that sense. Like he don't want to run the floor like that on defense. 
Um, so if you can get out and run him, get up and down the court and get easy looks, get layups, get dunks, um, transition buckets while they coming down trying to force threes, that's how you can go up 20. You know, um, and then just execute that way. Like I said, stay out of foul trouble. But uh, they just cannot allow You know, they hitting 15, 23s. Like, you're done. You're done if you're going to do that. I, we'll find out very early in the game, you know, if they give up like five, six threes in the first quarter, yeah. I'm going to already yeah. know where the game is headed. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we'll going see. back to Embiid real quick, we'll I think see. the way I would double him is I would double him, but after he's in the post and has his back turned and after he takes a bounce, if he's just kind of messing with it, and isn't really making a move. I'm probably not going to double on that. But once he takes a dribble, and again, I guess this depends against the matchup too. And you want to see how guys do individually against him before you start sending doubles. So like immediately, I probably wouldn't double to start the game against Len. I, th- no, will he probably end up bullying Len? Probably. But you know, you want to see how it goes at first, just to see because if he doesn't really have any leverage on him, uh, you know, why double? Then you can spend more of that energy on the shooters and making sure no one else beats you. But if he starts beating guys, and I'm sure he will, um, then as soon as he takes that bounce, then I'll send a double off a non-shooter. I I think that's how I would go about defending him. That was a game, I remember correctly, where we were up like 16 or 17 going into the fourth quarter against them and then blew it. Um. And I think part of why we were up was because we were doubling. First, we would deny the catch. So you make him work hard and work through half the shot clock just for him to get the ball. And then once he gets it, once he puts it on the floor and turns his back to the guards, that's when you have a guard come down off a non-shooter, like a Ben Simmons, come down and swipe at the ball. A lot of times it was either Bill or Russ and they would come down and just kind of swipe the ball and knock it out when he's turned his back. Well, do you remember him, opening then, night? Because we were doing that, opposite. and then in the second half, it so, miraculously stopped. Yeah, yeah, it's just foolish, man. That, and I go back to Brooks, you know. But I think you can do some of those things, run the break and get up on, mm-hmm. on and be, and it makes them have to adjust, you know. And, and again, it depends on who's on the floor, because if they have – there's going to be situations where I feel like they're going to have like Ben Simmons and Thibault on the floor at the same time. And in those cases, mm-hmm. I'm definitely helping off of them on, on them to, to, to stop and beat. Like, that's playing right into our hand. Like, if you're going to put two bricklayers on the floor, that's, you know, that's, that's to our advantage. Um, you know, so... They just gotta they gotta play it based on the scouting report, man. They cannot be trying to leave Seth mm-hmm. Curry, leave Danny Green to go double Joel and B. Because what probably is gonna happen, he might score anyway off of and one. Or you'll double and then again he's finding the shooter and it's a three ball right in your eye. So yeah. And once the shooters start getting rhythm, and I think we've been talking about <laughs> how we can so. defend Philly. But I think it's also important to talk about how we can score against Philly because they're the number one defense in the Eastern Conference. And the last thing we want to do is they pack the paint because they'll look at the percentages and they'll say, even though Beal's caught on lately, they'll say, Beal's not a sniper. We want Russ to shoot the ball. 
And again, they really don't have any shooters. Our best shooter right now is Brick City. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're looking at the scouting report yeah. and you're coming up with a game plan against the Wizards, you know, I'm just packing the paint and letting everybody shoot the ball. Now, of course, it's not just they're not going to sit like in, in, in the legit paint and just let everyone shoot. They're not going to be like five steps off, guys, but they'll put a priority on defending the rim first for sure. And at least yeah. I would hope that's what. Um, I was about to say Brett Brown. At least that's what I would hope Doc Rivers would do. And, and he, Doc Rivers is a smart guy. He's one of the best coaches ever. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna watch the film. They're going to see that we don't really really run an offense. Um, and yeah. from that point, they'll be able to game plan around that. Um, but that's why I think it's incumbent upon us mm-hmm. for our defense to be our offense. Like, we got to force Philly into bad contested shots so that we can catch those and run the break. Because, mm-hmm. again, Embiid does not want to run. So if you're running back and you got Tobias Harris at the rim, that's a bucket, you know. Um, and and those are the situations they got to create. And then out of those fast break opportunities, maybe you can find a yeah. few times in the corner, pull up to Um, Because I think if they if they try to play the game slow down and play a half-court game, they're going to lose. Because right. we don't have a half-court offense. You know, if you're going to let let the, uh, Philly get back into a set defense, it's going to be tough to score on them, man. Because um, they just have so many quality defenders. All right, it's going to be hard to score on them in the half court. So they got to do it. Get fast break points, get into the rim, get into the free throw line, and then operate inside. Of Which I think, and kind of we'll going to the goes. X factor in the series here, um, We'll get into who you think is kind of our X factor in a second. And I know there's a number of guys you could go with, right, outside of Russ and Beal. Um, but I'm going with Bertans because Bertans is a guy where if Philly ends up slowing you down and you just need a quick shot out of nowhere to kind of get you going, to get defenses a little bit nervous, you know, you just swing it over to Bertans and he's however many feet out. He can hit those just randomly out of nowhere. So I think he's a guy that can kind of get them rattled and and get yeah, them out of sure. their comfort zone. Now, whether or not he shows up, eh, well, to be seen. But I think that for that reason and the type of style that we're going up against, I think he's my X factor this series. Who would you pick? He's always the X factor. Like <laughs> if he's hitting. the bar for the Wizards so much because we don't have shooters. So the importance of the shooting is elevated. Um, so, you know, he's got to be able to hit shots. He doesn't do anything else. Um, so he really has no value if he's not going to hit shots. So, he, I mean, he has to make his threes, man. Was, you can't play him. So to me, he's going to pretty much always be the X factor for the remaining games we have. Um because just what he does is the only thing he does. And what he right. does, we don't have anybody else that can do it. So he's, he's got to. Yeah, I mean, gotta, the, the second closest guy that up. we have to what he does is Matthews. And he's probably not going to play a ton this series unless of an injury. So, yeah, because right. his rotation's kind of ironed out. Um, ironed out. He's probably going to roll with the same starting five that we've been rolling with um, Russ, Neto, Beal, Rui, Lent. And then I think the main five off the bench, he's going to have 
um, Gafford and Len or not um, Gafford and Lopez with that three center rotation. Then he's going to play Bertans, obviously um, Hutchison and then Ishmith. I think those are the guys he's going to play for sure every game. Um, and then maybe he'll sprinkle in Matthews or, or Gill in case of foul trouble or something. Yeah. Okay, let's get yep. into series prediction here. So, I think I'm going to take the Sixers mm-hmm. in, I don't know if I want to say five or six. Man. You go first. Okay. I'm going to go Sixers in six. Yeah. That's oh. where I'm at. Hmm. Because they rise up to the occasion, don't they? The Wizards traditionally. And the the Wizards are also typically good at taking one of these first two games on the road. So if you can do that and then you can split at home, that at least gives you two games. Uh, screw it. I'll say Sixers and Six, too, even though I really want to say Sixers and Five. Um, that's just my safe bet. I mean, I think that there's ways that the Wizards can win the series or even push it to seven. It's just going to be about can we play at the pace we want to play at? And again, like you were saying, I think that all comes down to how we handle things on the defensive side of the court. Because if we can get defense, we can get steals, we can get out and run a little bit, we can get Gafford involved on the break, we can find Bertans on the break, we can get Beal on the break, rest at the rim. It opens up so much, and it makes everything so stress-free for our guys once we do have to settle it down and run half court. Because it doesn't feel forced. Everything just feels like more free-flowing. So, Yeah, for sure. So, so many agreements. All right. Um, any other thoughts on the Sixers before we get out of here? Any thoughts on the series? Um, how do you think the series is going to go? So you said Sixers and Six. Where do you think the two wins come from? I think we can steal one of the mm-hmm. first two, and I think we can get one at home. Um, and I think that's going to be it. If they're going to adjust, but I just don't think we have the horses. Like I was kind of tweeting earlier, like obviously the Sixers have the best player in the series in Embiid, but I mm-hmm. think the Wizards have the second and third best player. Problem is the fourth through like the eighth best player favors Philly as well. So, you know, I just don't think we have the horses. Um, Unless somebody plays out of their mind. Hey, don't count out this Smith. This Smith has been playing some damn good basketball. (laughs) Yeah, if you get something like that, some, some, some performance that nobody was predicting, something, you know, somebody, you know, outperforms their season average by, you know, (laughs) <laughs> some ridiculous measure and like, yeah, you can go seven, you might could win it. But the odds of that happening, I like. So, um, especially against the number one team, a defensive team in the league. So, uh, yeah, I got the Sixers and six, man. I think the Wizards will compete in every game. Um, and then we'll go into the yeah, summer. Yeah, and of course, we'll, um, I mean, the, the series is going to tell us a lot about what we'll need because the Sixers are still, you imagine, are going to be at the top of the conference next year. And the way you build teams should, in a sense, be in a way to take out those top teams. So um, we'll see what we need going into the offseason. 
presuming we lose, I don't want to count us out because, again, I think there are situations where we can win the series or um, at least push it to seven. So I'm not counting us out. If I thought it was going to be a, a, a dud series, a dead series, I, I would have said Sixers in four or definitely five. But I think that I think that this team could surprise us. It's going to come down to, for me, Russ, Gafford, and Bertans. If you can get solid to great performances from them each game, I think we could surprise them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the Gafford thing is 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 definitely a valid because they we haven't nope. played Philly with Gafford, um, and so he's a guy that they don't really have, you know, much tape on. One, he ain't been on the Eagles. Two, he just got here on the Wizards. So um, he's another guy that I, you could probably put as an X factor because if he plays. How he played versus Indiana, where he's out of foul trouble. He's, I mean, he's blocking five shots and a half. Like, if he's going to do that, you got a shot. Um, but again, I just, I just don't know. Like, I, I see a scenario yeah. where he's in foul trouble and, you know, he's kind of neutralized because of that. And I know that that's what they're going to try to do because they're not going to try to, you know, go head up with him, uh, you know, with him in the game. They're going to try to get him in foul trouble. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. And I'm sure well, he's aware of this. Whoever it is, whether it's Theo Russ, so different members of the coaching staff, or yeah. specifically Mike Longabardi, you need to tell him, keep your hands up. When he gets in triple threat, keep your hands high because he likes to do that rip-through thing, that, that bull crap that everyone likes to do now. But they're going to give it to him. So, you need yep. to keep your hands up. Keep your hands away from the ball. And just worry about your body positioning and let the rest take care of itself. And if he beats you, he beats you. But the one thing he can't do is just get into foul trouble and start reaching and fall for the pump fakes and all that because that's exactly what he's going to try and do. He's a very mind game oriented type player. You can't fall into his trap. So, because he's so important on both ends, Gafford. It's not like we just want him in for defense. He's a he's a tremendous Agreed. offensive asset that Russ specifically can't afford to have just sitting on the bench. Agreed. Again, those roles can't. You won't want to find yourself in a situation where Robin Lopez no. and Link got to play. Big and then, God forbid, now. another one of them gets in foul trouble, <laughs> and then you're talking about either so. playing Rui or Gill at the five, and then by then the game's over. So. All righty. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be it for us. Um, I'm sure we'll come back and we'll talk about some game recaps. Hopefully some Wizards wins here out of these first two games. Um, you'd like to take both. Realistically, they may lose both, but I think, I think they'll squeeze one out. I, I do. I think they'll squeeze one of these. Because I, I think typically we win game one. I think that's yeah. kind of what's happened in our history in terms of stealing these first two games. I think we win the first one and then the home team wakes up and they win the second game. I think that's kind of what happens with us. So, all right, guys. So that's yeah. going to do it for us. I uh, yeah. want to thank you once again for listening. If you've listened this long, I know this is a little bit of a longer episode today, but I uh, wanted to make sure we went in depth. I feel like a lot of times when people do 
series or matchup preview podcast. They don't really dive too deep into it. They just cover the, the basic stuff that you already know. So just wanted to take the extra time to talk about specific players, matchups, uh, defensive strategies and all that. But thanks again for listening. You guys know where to find us on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next time.